Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. The other day I was doing some spring cleaning and I settled down to go through my bookshelf. Oh my goodness, what a task that was. I came across one of our children's books titled You Are Special by Max Lucado. It's a great book about a master wood carver named Eli who makes these little wooden people named Wemmicks. The message of the story is that everyone is uniquely created and designed in a special way for a special purpose. Your personal design and purpose is different from everybody else, and there are no mistakes made along the way. Well, some of the characters in this story haven't quite learned that message yet. They made a practice of giving people star stickers if they were popular or beautiful, really good at something, or dot stickers if they weren't. The main character in the story is named Punchinello, and someone described him as being uh, shy and clumsy and awkward. Consequently, he was covered with dots that he received from people in the village. But one day, Punchinello meets this beautiful young girl who has no dots and no stars. And when he asks her how that can be, she simply says she doesn't really care what other people think. And she has no stars or no dots. They just don't stick to her. She only cares what Eli, the master woodcarver of these wooden people, thinks of her. So Punchinello goes to see Eli every day for a few weeks, and miraculously his dots start falling off him. And eventually he's clear of all dots because he's focused on what Eli, the master creator, thinks of him, which is that he's uniquely and wonderfully made and that he is perfect the way he is. It's a great story to share with your kiddos that helps them understand that people are created exactly the way they were meant to be created, and everyone is different in their own unique way, and that's a great thing worth celebrating, right? My first guest today is someone who totally understands this idea. Welcome to the show today, Amy Jan Drisovitz, founder of A Doll Like Me. You may have read about Amy in various magazines or heard about her on the news. She has a wonderful way of helping kids understand that they're wonderful just the way that they're created. She designs dolls to look as unique as the individual is, and it's been a smashing success. Thank you for being here today, Amy. Thank you, Jill, for having me. You are welcome. Why don't you start by telling our listeners what a doll like me is and why Why do you do this? Sure. So in a nutshell, a doll like me um, is an organization where I make dolls for kids who don't see themselves on the store shelves. So... That's the short of it. Um, you think about the kids and what kids look like and how few dolls actually look like them. Um, and so I make dolls for kids with limb differences, dolls for kids with albinism, um, dolls for kids with scars or birthmarks, kids that couldn't walk into the store and say, hey, that looks just like me. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you envision doing? like eight years ago you know take us back to when it all started so ironically i've i've collected dolls my entire life so like the young version of me probably always knew that this was in the works um and so i actually have a master's degree in social work and 
when you do, and I worked in, in um, pediatric oncology for several years, and so when you do play therapy with kids, um, one of the most important components of it is doll therapy, having a doll that looks like the child because then you can play through what the child is about to experience. So it, it's dolls work in a way that stuffed animals or something doesn't work. Um, so you would actually take the doll and you would want the doll to look like the child and say, look, this is what was about to happen to you. And that's very therapeutic for kids to be able to work through it. But what I realized is that most of the dolls that were offered didn't look like the kids I was working with, mm. right? So you wouldn't put a doll with long blonde hair on the lap of a child of color who has had chemotherapy and doesn't have any hair. You wouldn't say, now pretend that this is you. And yet it's something we ask kids to do all the time. Um, so I think that that's actually where I kind of had the idea in the first place. Um, but I've sewed dolls, I mean, for years, for decades. Mm. And I remember somebody, it was like a friend of a friend knew that I could make dolls. And she'd asked if I could make a doll that had um, a limb difference. So the little girl had had her, the lower half of her leg removed. And they asked if I could do a doll like her. And I thought, what an interesting request. It was not something I'd ever considered, but I thought that was such an easy thing to do, of course. Um, and the more I looked around, the more I realized that that's, I mean, w kids have had limb differences for, you know, as long as creation, right? And that wasn't a doll that you could find pretty much anywhere. And so um, I made her one and social media is crazy. <laughs> um, they shared it and within two months, so this was from Halloween to Christmas, I had 200 doll orders. Oh my goodness. Only for dolls with limb differences. Wow. And so it wasn't anything that I went into thinking, I'm going to do this as, you know, a business. It just sort of happened. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I read a statistic that in 2021, in the United States alone, the retail sales of dolls amounted to approximately $3.78 million. Uh, why have dolls become such an important part of the narrative involving inclusion and representation? That's, that's a good question. So, I mean, that's a staggering number, right? And if you, if you think about going into, you know, a department store, wherever we're going to go, a toy store, you think about the dolls that are on the shelves. And you think about the kids that exist, you know, the kids should have a doll that looks like they do, right? The kids should um, be able to play with something that they can relate to. And so in that number, you figure kids with limb differences, kids with scars, they would never be able to see themselves in that statistic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that dolls hold a power that we don't quite understand. You know, when you talk about play therapy, um, it works with a doll, not a stuffed animal. And um, I think that it's amazing that for me, dolls have become a platform to advocate for what inclusion actually looks like. You know, I, I so I, I make the dolls, I custom make the dolls to look exactly like the child. And when you see the picture of what the child looks like with their doll. I always say, if you want to see what inclusion and representation feels like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That that it's something so powerful for a child to, you know, who may never see another kid that looks like they do, but to be able to see 
a physical representation of themselves is very powerful. I imagine. And I've seen those pictures, and you just see the big smile on their face. It's it's so wonderful. You, you've said a little bit about uh, the different types of dolls. Can you elaborate on the different types of dolls that you've made over and above what you've shared sure. already? So when I initially started, in my mind, I thought that I was going to be making dolls with actually just lower limb differences. Um, and then it, it just kind of took off. And so people, you know, from around the world were saying, my child has, um, I mean, if you look at your 10 fingers, right, there's a million permutations of how that could look. And so people would say, you know, my child has one finger or four fingers or whatever it is. Can you do that? And like I said, the requests came from all over the world. Um, and so very quickly I designed a hand for the dolls. They didn't initially have fingers. Um, but I realized that that's a big part of, you know, how the child looks. Um, and then shortly after, a, a mom emailed and said she'd adopted two little girls from China with albinism so that they had the Chinese features but um, white hair and blue eyes and very um, light skin. Could I do that? And she said, this is the closest I've ever come to someone indulging this request. What do you think? And I thought... Of course I could do that. Mm. Um, and I remember pretty early on there was a doll that was pretty complicated. I mean, the the girl was a little bit older, and I was like, I don't think I can make this. And I remember my son at the time said, if you think it's hard to make, imagine what it's like for her to live with. Mm. Like, mm. you are going to make this. And I thought, you know what, you're totally right. And so – Out of the mouth um, of babes. I know, right? right? Yeah. That that – to have, and it was funny because when she got her doll, um, she burst into tears and she said, I'm going to bring it to school so that kids can see I'm not the only one that looks this way. Aww. And so it shows you it's not just a doll, it's a human likeness. Yeah. Um, mm. And so the requests, I mean, have been from, um, you know, children that have been burned or children that are going through cancer, um, children that have you know, different birthmarks or um, most recently it's been like facial anomalies. And so I think when parents hear that this is a possibility, you know, I'll get a number of requests. Um, Do you have a favorite one? That's a great question. So <laughs> a tough question. I know. I'm sure. Well, actually, every doll that comes through, this is funny, and my family will tell you the same thing that I always say, this is my new favorite. Um, but I think one of the most moving dolls was for a little girl um, who was a Syrian refugee and um, had been burned by a candle, actually, that her family was using for heat um, and lost. So she was burned on half of her body and lost her ear and her hand, um, almost to the point where that side of her body was just unrecognizable. And so part of her, they, a family took her in, um, actually in Germany, and requested this doll for her. And part of her therapy was learning to accept her new body because she would see a picture and say, that's not me. Yeah. Um, and so it was such an interesting transition. And so like personally, that was a really difficult one to make because I think it, it brought home, you know, we hear about things like Syrian crisis or, you know, whatever it is. And we're so distanced from it, right? We can easily write it off because it's not right here. Right, right. And it really put a face to that for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, ultimately my family too. 
And I remember when this little girl got her doll, um, there's this series of photos that the family sent and she actually hides and she says, that's not me. And the mom says, no, it is. This is, you know, look at her hand and look at your hand and look at her her ear and your ear. And there's this transit. I mean, the photos are incredible. Um, this transition where she looks at it and then she smiles and then hugs it. And so she uh, it was one of those again that said, I'm going to take her to school so that kids can see mm. that I'm not the only one. And it was so meaningful. I think of that one so often because, again, I think that we really underestimate the power of seeing yourself. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a story. Um, I am quite sure that you have inspired many, many people, both adults and children alike, because of what you do and and why you do it, right? It's. I, I'm curious, though, what or who inspires you? We're going to hear about that from Amy after our commercial break, so stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Amy Jandrisovitz, founder of A Doll Like Me. So I said before the break, Amy, that there's no doubt you've inspired others by the work that you do and, more importantly, why you do it. Tell us who or what inspires you and why. Okay, that's a great question. So I'm originally from California, and so I feel to connect with Wisconsin folks that I I need to do a a Packer reference. Um, (laughs) So I I always use this quote that Vince Lombardi said because I think it's so good. When people say, and when they talk about a doll like me, I always say, this is not, I mean, I'm the one that sews, I'm the one that designs, but this is really a collective process. Um, A Doll Like Me is actually now a nonprofit. And so it's amazing. You remember when in in Oprah's show, she used to say, you know, you get a car and you get a car, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I get to be the one that tells these families, you don't have to pay for this. Somebody has done this for you. And like if I could have thought of the perfect design of how a doll like me would look, that's that's right there. Because I think it shows these families that despite what you hear or despite what people say to you or what you're led to believe, there are so many members of our, of our collective global community who see the same beautiful child that you do. And I think that that's so important. I think that I, I get so many stories um, that are so raw and so filled with hurt. And I think parents think, if this is one thing, this doll, that I can offer to my child to maybe make them feel a little bit better, I want to do it. And so when I get to say, there's no cost, right? Somebody has done this for you. It's it's amazing. And um, the quote that I love the most is, the achievements of an organization are the results of a combined effort of each individual. And I love that because I think that it shows people a doll like me is not just Amy. It's not just a mom sewing at her dining room table. It's all of us. And this is something that all of us can come together to do for a a child. And it can be really life-changing. 
so I, I like to use that quote when I want people to understand that this is a collective effort. Um, so that's my, my Packer Vince Lombardi reference. Yeah, and your Oprah reference. So and my Oprah like, reference. You get a doll. Yes. And you get a doll. And you get it, a it doll. Is. It is. It's, it's so amazing that, you know, parents think, okay, how much do I owe you? And I never felt, even when this wasn't a nonprofit, I felt really wrong charging people for something that their child should naturally have, right? I think that this is something that we owe kids on behalf of a global community that doesn't include them. This is something that we owe them. And so now, um, a little over four years ago, A Doll Like Me became a nonprofit so that nobody would have to pay for their dolls. And knock on wood, in that time, nobody has had to. Mm, that is so great. Will you talk about how others feel and how they're changed when they receive this doll? How has this whole experience changed you personally? That's a good question, immensely. Um, I think that I almost feel guilty about how personally satisfying this is for me. Um, I get to combine, you know, I, I was a social worker, so I get to combine that passion. I get to combine crafting, you know, and it all comes together. I mean, it's the perfect storm of, if I could think, my, my little girl always says to me, what's your perfect job? And I think this is it, right? I get to make dolls for kids. Um, and so I think that personally, it fulfills me in a way, it's hard to even explain, um, that social work did. You know, that, that, that I maybe can be a small factor in making a child feel better about how they look. You know, that's really powerful. Um, I think that we talk a lot about wanting to do something, right? I remember when, and this is funny, I, I, I tell my kids this too. I wrote an essay in ninth grade, and the, the topic was, can one person make a difference? And I said yes, because I was afraid of if I said no, that I wouldn't pass. So I said yes. But I don't know that I totally believed it. And then in college, I was a little more cynical, and I wrote the same paper, but I said no that time. But now I realize you can. Like, this has invited a discussion. The dolls have appeared in some pretty remarkable places, you know, in, in business magazines and in art magazines and, like, in People and Oprah. Mm -hmm. Like, what a great catalyst for a discussion, right? Um, and I think that we all crave, I want to make a difference, right? I want to do something with my life. But we have so many reasons not to. You know, I'm too broke, I'm too old, I'm too sick, I'm too whatever it is, I'm too young. Um, there's a million reasons not to, but there might be one reason why you should. And I think that a doll like me, I remember when um, there was an article that was published and it had over 10 million views. And I remember I said to my mom, because my mom said, are you prepared for what's about to happen? And I said, I am. This is one of the first, I, I'm not typically, um, I'm a pretty much a control freak. And it was the first time I let go and I was like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I think when we decide, I am going to just do something, right? I'm going to do something small it can really take off. And I think a doll like me is a testament to that. When you let go and you say, I'm going to let, you know, faith take over, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
people don't understand that you can do something very small to make a really big impact. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of something I read that said that none of us can do everything, but everyone can do something. Yes. And that something might just be something small, and it could stay small. And you know what? That's fine because if you're impacting one person, it's worth it. But it may grow into something great, uh, just like your story. I mean, it's it's just wonderful. Lots of inspiration that we're sharing today. I'm so happy that uh, Amy is, has joined us today. Um, but we're coming to the close of, of the segment for Amy. Um, how can listeners get involved? What can they do to help you with your mission? I like the word mission. Um, that's a good way to say it. I don't like ever like to say business or a, you know nonprofit. That sounds so impersonal, but I think that mission is a really good way to describe it. Um, people can get involved with me personally. Um, I have a number of volunteers who make clothes for the dolls or blankets or um, somebody right now is, is crocheting doll, doll carriers for them. Um, and that's always, I mean, it, the more hands, the better, right? Um, so there's that way, obviously, financially, that a doll like me runs on donations. Um, and then I think that that in the bigger picture, there's this idea of advocacy, right? And I think that we're obligated to advocate for whatever our cause is. Um, so even if it doesn't involve dolls, you know, I would encourage people to, you know, quote, do something, right? Do something small, find your cause and, and go for it. Mm. And so if people want to reach out to you, is Facebook the best way or should they just Google a doll like me? What's, what's Either the best one. way? Um, so I, the, the website is a doll like me.com, which is easy to remember. Um, you can Google it. Um, I think you can even Google um, dolls that look like kids at this point and, and, and that will pop up. Nice. Um, but I always tell people to go to social media um, not you know simply because if you see the pictures of the kids with the dolls you will a hundred percent understand why this is so important um i think i can talk you know and i've talked for 20 minutes now but you got to see a picture and once you see a picture i think it changes everything and it will tell you why inclusion and representation are so important for kids Mm. A picture is worth a thousand words, as they 100%, say. hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, Well, thank you, Amy Jandrisovitz, for being here today. Uh, we appreciate share, you sharing your passion and your vision and your mission. So Absolutely. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Well, our next guest is someone that Amy has known for about eight years, and their relationship has grown into something really special. And you'll hear why when we return. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest is Ryan Hack, author of the children's book, Different is Awesome. And he's also the founder of livingonehanded.com. Welcome to the show today, Ryan. Great. Thanks for having me, Jill. We really appreciate being here. We are lucky to have you. We, we usually have representatives from various organizations on the program, but 
in your case, you are the organization, and we're happy to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and this great friendship that you have with Amy. Yeah, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to do that. And it was funny when I was thinking about that and listening to some of the past shows, I was like, well, I, I'm it. I'm, I'm, I'm living one-handed. That's it. Um, and, and it's been great. So I, I was born in Madison. I was born with one hand. Uh, I'm missing my left arm just below the elbow. And it was a surprise to everyone. My parents didn't know, doctors, nurses, nobody knew. So it was uh, shocking for everyone. Um, but they checked me out. I was healthy, sent me home, and, and things started rolling from there. <laughs> I was just a, a little kid like everyone else, basically. And um, the way I grew up... Um, had a very supportive family. My mom is one of 11. My dad's one of 10. So I had wow. aunts and uncles and cousins coming out of the woodwork. They were everywhere. <laughs> uh, and everybody was very supportive, treated me like anyone else. Um, and I think that was the a big part for me of, yes, I had one hand. I was aware of it. But it really didn't affect me a lot. I, my parents encouraged me to do everything that I wanted to do. And so I did. Uh, very athletic. I played all kinds of sports and uh, made so many friends that way. Um, but... As I grew up, I just did everything that I wanted to do in a way that worked for me. And it really wasn't until I was, gosh, in my early 30s, um, I had written a lot. I had several different blogs online, but they were all just kind of random. Um, and then I had actually, I was having dinner at Culver's, Wisconsin staple, of course, mm -hmm. uh, by myself. And I saw this little boy walk in with his mom, and he had an arm like mine. And this, the Culver's was just a couple blocks from my house. And um, I never, I'm never really on the lookout for like how many hands do people have, but I noticed like, wow, he has an arm like mine is like right by my house. This is, this is wild. Um, and I, you know, we made eye contact and, um, I just didn't, I, I thought this is kind of cool, but I didn't think a lot of it. Um, and as I was leaving, the mom kind of grabbed him and then ran over to me, you know, pulling him along and just stood there and kind of presented us to each other and was look at you guys, you're the same, but you're old and he's little, and the, you know, whatever. Um, and it, it clearly meant a lot to her uh, in that situation to be like, here is someone like my son. You know, Amy talked a lot about the, the representation of seeing yourself in someone else. Um, when I was little, the internet didn't exist, right? And so I never really thought of, like, it didn't matter to me all that much that I didn't see people who looked like me. But now, you can see anybody anywhere, and, and that is really important. And people are understanding that, I think, more now than they used to. But um, as I left there, it really dawned on me that this was important to them, me just existing. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like I could be more intentional than just eating dinner by myself in public. You know, that's <laughs> a feat in and of itself. But I felt like I could do more than that. And so that was when I started my website, livingonehanded.com. Uh, pretty straightforward. And and I started writing about things that I experienced as a person with a, a physical difference that I thought maybe could be helpful to other people. Um, you know, how do I deal with being stared at? That's a big thing. You know, like it happens all the time. So how do I deal with it? Um, and that was something that I was able to share with people and try to figure out why didn't I struggle with it maybe as much as other people did? And And it really was like, this idea of community that, you know, Amy talked about as well, that there was a community of people around me that really helped shape who I was and shaped me into a confident person who uh, just embraced who I was. And I wanted other people to do that. Um, and so you mentioned uh, my book, uh, Different is Awesome. That kind of came from that space. I started to, to think about how are 
how are different ways that I could help people with my experience? Um, and that was one of them. When I, it's based on a true story, actually. One of my younger brothers, my brother Joey, uh, when he was in elementary school, his teacher asked him uh, to bring something cool for show and tell. And so he brought me and uh, <laughs> just sat me in front of his classmates. And they asked me questions. Uh, I think maybe one question about my hand. And then they were all just off the wall questions because they're little kids, right? They didn't really care all that much. Um, and so that was where the idea came from. And so the book itself kind of retells that story. And uh, as each of the kids ask the main character, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? You realize each of those kids has something different about them as, as well. And we all do. We're, we're all different in some way or another. Sometimes we can see it. Sometimes we can't. But that's the main message um, and that our differences are what make us awesome. And so I get to, to travel around, um, go to schools and lead assemblies uh, teaching kids how to uh, to embrace themselves and others the way they are. And uh, is the book available on Amazon? It is, yep. Okay. You can uh, you can go to livingonehanded.com and there's a buy the book link there or you can jump on Amazon and there's uh, it's available there as well. Okay, super. And then uh, where, where and when did you meet Amy? So that was, you know, it's funny because neither of us really remember the exact moment it feels like we've always been friends. <laughs> and um, I think some of that has to do with the, the natural overlap of the people that we serve, right? And so she talked about the people um, that she serves are people with, by and large, physical differences, that she is able to create a doll that matches them, right? And then mine uh, is very similar. It's maybe more specific to uh, upper limb differences, um, but that's kind of the, the area that I'm uh, in. Now, even saying that, though, um, the book that I wrote, I imagined it, I, I knew it had an audience with limb different kids and families because the main character is me and I have one hand. And so I knew that. But it's been amazing to see it connect all over the world with all kinds of differences, which is the point <laughs> that right, we're all right. different in some way or another. And so I know that there were people and there there still are people who are ask me, oh, have you heard of a doll like me? Have you heard of Amy? And they'll ask Amy, oh, you should see this book. Different is awesome. <laughs> and so, nice. and we're able to say, yes, we have we seen it and yes. we are friends. Yes, that's <laughs> so. great. Well, when you visit a school, because that's mm -hmm. a, a large part of what, what you do, what are some of the key messages that you help students understand? You yeah. talked a little bit about it, but mm -hmm. elaborate. Yeah, I think, you know, I love going to schools. Um, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I had a friend who was talking about, he's a professional musician, and he said, man, sometimes I don't feel like I can be my true self when I'm at work. Um, and I was thinking, you know, when I go to a school and I get to stand in front of hundreds of second graders, <laughs> I feel like I'm the most me. I feel like alive, and that's where I love to be uh, because kids need to see someone like me. Um, and so I think the first thing is really just getting in front of them and allowing, to s allowing them to see someone who is shaped differently than they're used to um, and that they realize I'm just a, a person like them, right? And so that's huge. Um, but then also helping them to figure out how to interact with someone who might look different because little kids, they don't know that. We all have all experienced that, right? I always remember this one story. I was at a school. There's like 400 kids sitting on the gym floor. I just get introduced. I come up. I haven't said a word yet. And there's this little girl on her knees in the middle of this crowd of kids. And she goes, 
that guy doesn't have an arm. <laughs> and all the teachers are on the outside like, what do we do? Oh, no. And I was like, no, this is exactly why I'm here, but to help you know, maybe not shout out what makes them different. Um, but those are the opportunities that it seems weird to most people, but I love those those circumstances and helping them understand that our differences are what make us awesome. We're all different in some way or another to embrace that, to celebrate it, and how to figure out how to do that. Um, and I always try to have a question and answer time at the end, which is just my favorite. And I just walk around the crowd of kids who all are trying to process what is happening and what questions to ask. And I love just those moments of when it clicks for them yeah, um, and they're yeah. able to ask something and, and understand something new that they didn't know before. And didn't you say, uh, we were talking before the interview, didn't you say that sometimes at the end of your discussion, kids are walking out like pretending they have one arm <laughs> yeah, or you right. know, saying yes. they have I, some difference? <laughs> that's right, yeah. The percentage of kids who, who tuck their arm into their sleeve as they're leaving is very high. <laughs> Um, and, and it's great. I love it. Like, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of the teachers are like, oh, that, you know, shouldn't do that. Uh, and, and some teachers will say, hey, my kids have been trying to tie their shoes with one hand the entire rest of the day. The entire rest of the day was useless because they could not pay attention. They're trying to do things with one hand. And I'm like, I love it. I love that. I <laughs> love that. You've made quite an impression yet. on the kids. That's right. That's, that's great. Well, I would imagine you get lots of messages from parents as well. Um, let's talk about more about that after we return from a quick break. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in our last segment today with Ryan Hack, author of the children's book, Different is Awesome, and the uh, website livingonehanded.com. You get a lot of messages from parents, you mentioned, of uh, limb-different children, and what's, what's that like for you? What do you say to them? Yeah, that uh, is one of my favorite things. Uh, it always will be. I think I, I underestimated the impact sharing my experience would have. Um, that might be the first time I've said that because I'm getting really emotional about it. Um, I think that when I get messages from parents who say, we just found out that our son is going to be born without a hand, and we freaked out. We didn't, we didn't know if he'd be able to do anything. And then we found your website, we watched every single one of your videos, we read every single post that you put, and, and we feel fine now. Like, we feel like things are going to be okay. Um, that, to me, is, is everything. That's all I could ever ask for. Um, and so when I see, you know, I told you that as I was coming in today, I got a couple messages from people who were taking my book, Different is Awesome, into their kids' classroom to, to share it with their classmates to be like, hey, here's the deal. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. This is how I am, and we're all different in, in some way or another. Um, and, and those messages will never get old for me because it is, it is my why. Like, that's why I do this is because I want people to know that it's, it's going to be okay. Um, it might not always be easy. There will be challenges. There will be hard days for sure, um, but you'll get through it. And, and we're in it together. You're not alone. Um, and so join the club. Let, let's go. You know, so I, I love it. 
So, so you you very much enjoy talking with parents uh, that have uh, children with physical differences. Um, being a parent is challenging for all of us at any time anyway. Is there anything that you can share from your perspective that could help those of us who don't have mm -hmm. limb different kids? Yes, absolutely. I think it's so important. It, what's funny is like, so I have three kids of my own and I remember thinking to myself, well, they have a leg up on everybody else because their dad has one hand, right? Surely they will be more accepting of people with differences and surely they will never point and yell about someone's difference. I was wrong. I was, I was way wrong. <laughs> All kids need that uh, help in understanding. And I think as parents, that's one of the things that we, we need to be responsible for um, is helping our kids understand that. I, I love that I get to go to schools and that I've created a resource that families can use. Please do so. Um, but as parents, it, it's our job in those situations to, to help. Um, and so I know as parents, you know, if our kid points at someone and says something that they probably shouldn't say, our instinct is to kind of grab them away, right? Pull them out of the situation and be like, oh, well, no, we don't want to be part of this. I would suggest to almost do the opposite, to, to get down on their level and say, oh, you, you noticed something. Let's talk about it. Um, what did you notice? What are you curious about? Um, and then, you know, this is how we, how we should do that so that it's a, something that's kind, right? Because I think we unintentionally create this atmosphere of like, oh shoot, I, I did something wrong. I, I noticed that someone looked different than other people and I shouldn't notice that. Like that's a normal thing to do. That's when I go to schools, um, I tell the, the kids like, it's normal that when I walked in, you all noticed that I had one hand because most people have two. And so that's a normal thing to notice. You don't need to feel bad about that. But what do we do next? And so as parents, we teach them, ask them other questions about themselves. Get to know them. What's your favorite food, your favorite game, your favorite show, whatever. And then invite them to do something with you. You know, play with you at recess, sit with you at lunch, whatever it happens to be. Um, don't make their, their difference the centerpiece, right? It's a, it's a part of who they are. But just like someone who is really tall gets asked if they play basketball 8,000 times a day, <laughs> like they want to be asked anything other than that. <laughs> And so that's I, a good I, point of reference. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I can relate to that because yeah. I'm tall and I have tall children. So they always ask us if we play volleyball or exactly. basketball. So, yep. yeah, it's like there, there are other things to us. A hundred percent. It's it's obvious that it's important to you to normalize differences. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. It absolutely is. Yeah. I think, like I said before, about standing in front of them and just being there um, and helping them know it, it isn't wrong to notice that, um, but to then say, okay, well, I've noticed it. Do I need to ask them a question if I, you know, that's fine. Uh, otherwise just move on and, and go on to the next thing. Do whatever you would do with anybody else. Right, right. Do you have a sense that society has changed how it views people with disabilities since you were a child? You know, how, yeah. how would you say things are different now than they were then? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we have made vast improvements on, um, acceptance, inclusion, um, those, those areas. I think, you know, when I was young, like I said before, there, there was no internet, and so there wasn't a way to, to connect with other people. Now you can connect with people who like look literally exactly like you. Amy mentioned about fingers and different configurations that you can find someone who has the exact configuration of fingers that you have somewhere in the world, right? And so that exists now, um, and it's great. Um, I think that there is still, when that pendulum swings, right, the, the other side 
kind of stands their ground as well. And so while I would like to say that, hey, we are leaps and bounds ahead of where we were decades ago, which I think we are, there's still a lot of room for improvement. There's still a long way to go to really fully include people who have disabilities and just acknowledge them as as equals, right? Yeah, yeah. And we talk about how important education is for us at Ellen Becker and just um, sharing information whenever whenever we can. You share your message with kids, of course, in the schools, as you said, but you also share your message with adults, mm-hmm. which is a very different audience than elementary students, right? It is. Um, tell us about your experiences with that and why is it important for you to speak to adults yeah. too? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a natural um, connection that I have a children's book that I would speak at elementary schools primarily. That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, But I love speaking to adults as well. First of all, I can be way more sarcastic with adults. Um, (laughs) The jokes are different, which is great. I love that as well. Uh, But we as adults, we need to hear that same message just as much as kids do. Um, I remember I was leading these day-long seminars um, for a a business for a a week in St. Louis, and their employees were essentially um, required to go, right? And so (laughs) with that comes some blank faces at times. Uh, And they were also uh, in the health field. And so there were nurses who had just worked, you know, all night. And so now they're at this this conference all day. Um, And I just will never forget, I finished up this day-long thing, and there was this woman in the back, you know, at the end, everybody's coming up. They want me to sign their book or talk to me about something, whatever it is. And this lady kind of hung out in the back and came up and she was in tears and she just said, I did not want to be here. I was required to be here. I was mad about it. And this was exactly what I needed to hear today because I don't like myself. I don't, I don't think it's okay. The differences that I have, I've never felt like I belonged anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so for her as an adult, I think we deal with those things too, that we say, yeah, you know, differences are awesome. Sure. That's fine but not mine. (laughs) I I don't want this difference. I would rather be like other people. Um, And so it's a fun and cute message for kids. Um, That's super important. But also I think adults, we need to hear that just as much as anybody else. Yeah. Well, great message for kids and adults, like you said. Um, I say this in almost every interview that we never have enough time to talk about (laughs) everything that we want to talk about because we have limited minutes here. But Uh, For those listeners who want to help you uh, reach out and and share your message, Mm -hmm. how can they get involved? Yeah, so the easiest way, I think, is just to go to my website, livingonehanded.com. I do have a speaking page there where you can reach out, whether it's a a school, elementary, middle, high school, or a business, um, a conference, or a, you know, end of the year, whatever it happens to be, um, I'm willing to to do any of that. You can also purchase the book there as well. There's a buy the book button that you can click. Um, So yeah, livingonehanded.com would be the the all-in-one shop for you. Okay, wonderful. Well, Thank you so much for being here, Ryan Hack. We appreciate you sharing your mission and your vision, your purpose, your passion, all that good stuff. Um, Thank you for sharing today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. I want to also thank again uh, the founder of A Doll Like Me, Amy Jandrisovitz, and again, Ryan Hack, author of 
Different is Awesome, and also the website livingonehanded.com. I really appreciate you guys sharing how you're making a difference in the lives of children and adults and giving them perspective and insight on a topic that everyone should be well-versed in, and that is that everyone is special and beautiful and created and designed with and for a purpose, no matter what they look like, right? That's it. That's what's inside that counts, you know, how they use the talents that they've been given. So appreciate you uh, uh, echoing all those thoughts today. If you would like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to Amy or Ryan directly. And if you know of a great organization doing great work as they are in our community that you think would be a great guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. We're filling up our calendar for the year, so if you're interested in doing that, reach out and we can get the process started right away. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a caring and compassionate place. You can tune into News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can also listen now on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So my call to action today would be to give some thought to how you can make someone feel special. That could be as simple as offering a smile or a love you or doing a small or large act of kindness. It doesn't take much, and it surely goes a long way. Oftentimes, random acts of kindness have a domino effect, and you can start something really special. Give it a try by maybe paying for someone's meal at the drive-thru at Mickey D's or offering to shovel snow or cut someone's grass or cook someone a meal. You know, there are so many things that we can do. We aren't expected to do it all, but we can all do something. And I'm sure anything you do would be appreciated. So take some time and find a way to be a blessing, and you will surely give a blessing at the same time. Thank you for listening today and have a great day.